You're listening to the Her Soul Podcast, a safe space where we focus on Christian living and mental health. I'm your host, Camille Allison, and my goal is to encourage you in your everyday walk so that you can live in the freedom that Christ promises you. It's the Christian girl talk you need in your life. So grab your journal, favorite pen, a cup of coffee, and let's get into the show. Hey friends, welcome into another week's episode of Her Soul. I am Camille Allison and on this channel, in this space, we are really dedicated to figuring out the life stuff, right? No matter what it is that we're facing, whatever it is that we're going through, I feel like you can come to this channel and just get uh, recharged, refilled, and moving in the direction that you should be. We are a community of women who love God and want to pursue a deeper relationship with Him. So if that is your thing, if that's something that you want to be a part of, then definitely consider subscribing and following the show. We would love to have you. So y'all, we this week are going to get into something. This was not a planned episode. I know I told you guys in the previous episode that we were going to kind of maintain this um, theme of love throughout the month. And I did. I had that ready to go for you guys. But this episode today is very impromptu. It was something that came to me as I was reading through Genesis chapter 32. And it like clung to me. I initially read this February 3rd. Okay. And I've been chewing on it ever since. Today is February 15th. And this particular passage, it just seems to me like I can't let it go. And that's how I know that I need to share this with you guys because I know it's helped me, it's blessed me, and I know that it'll be able to help and bless some of you out there as well. So Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 through 32. This is our focus uh, verse for this week's episode. And this is gonna seem like a Bible study. So if you are listening in the car, if you're driving and you're listening in the car, um, listen to it. But if you are at home, and you are in a place or a setting where you can get out some notes, if you can get out your Bible, then definitely do that because in and of itself, this is a Bible study and this is how we are doing things today. <laughs> That's just um, what I'm going to say. I'm going to walk you guys through this thing verse by verse. It's the latter portion of the chapter. So just verses 22 to 32. And I'm going to read it to you. I debated on if I should read it to you, but I am. I'm going to read it to you. And... Follow along if you if you can, but we are going to go and break this thing down even further. So it says, that night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. Okay, so just to set the scene so you understand what's going on, Jacob has heard that his brother Esau is in town, okay? And Jacob is afraid because if you remember, we talked about this way back when, when we were talking about Genesis um, and Jacob and Esau in particular. Remember, Jacob tricked Esau out of his birthright and he was very deceptive and he received, Jacob received the birthright, but Esau was very angry at that. So mad, in fact, that he wanted to kill his brother. So they haven't talked in all these years and Jacob is thinking that, oh shoot, Esau is coming. He is going to kill me. So that's where we see um, Jacob, he's like already sent all these gifts to e uh, to Esau to try and like, you know, mend things and sweeten them up a little bit. He's not sure if it's worked, but Jacob right now is trying to flee um, in a nutshell. Okay. Continuing verse 23. So he's packed up all his family. 
essentially, okay, all his family and his things. And so verse 23 says, after he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? And Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. (sighs) Y'all, it is so much to unpack. This chapter, this portion of the chapter is so rich and I'm going to break it down because there's so much in it to unpack, even to the point of where as I'm unpacking it, I still feel like there's even more to it that I still haven't yet unpacked. All right. So let's start with verses 22 through 23, the opening verses. So we see Jacob is sending his family and all of his possessions over the river. The key thing that I wanted or that I highlighted in my study time was that after he did this, it says that he spent his last night on the east side of the Jordan River. He spent his last night on the east side of the Jordan River. The header to this section of the passage is called Jacob wrestles with God. So we know that Jacob is wrestling with a man and we come to find out that that man was actually God, right? So Jacob wrestles with God. In the first opening verses, it says that he spent his last night on the east side of the Jordan River alone. So two things, his last night, right? In the place of his before, essentially, because we see in the passage that Jacob is blessed with a new name. He's given a new name, which means he's no longer Jacob, the deceitful one. His name is changed to Israel, which means he struggles with God, right? So he's spending his last night on the east side of the Jordan before everything changes. This is his last night. And even significantly so, he's spending it alone. Jacob had a whole crew of people, the wives, the servants, his children, the possessions, everything with him. He sent all of that away. And it rang out to me so loudly because it's it's, it's God had to get Jacob alone. In order for God to really reach him, in order for God to really show him what he needed him to know, God had to get Jacob alone. And it speaks to someone who might be in an isolating period. To think of it this way, God had to get the busyness from around you. All of those people, all of those things Jacob had around him could have distracted him, given him him a million things to focus on, but the thing that God needed needed him to. And so the same for any of you who might be in a season where you feel like God has you isolated. God has to take you out of the noise. There's some distractions that God wants to limit and remove so that he can really deal with you. Jacob wrestled with God. So God, we know God came to Jacob and it was like, I'm going to deal with you and I'm going to make sure 
that all of this is settled once and for all. And I think as believers, as Christians, I think going through life sometimes, we find ourselves in these different seasons. And the one question we always ask is, why, Lord? Why is this happening to me? Why am I the one dealing with this? So if this is you in this season of isolation, pay attention to what it is. God, there's something that God has to deal with you about that can't be dealt with while you've got everybody else around you. So as soon as Jacob sends all these, um, all of his family away, as soon as he sends them across the river, immediately following verse 24, we see Jacob wrestles with a man until daybreak. That means Jacob spent all night wrestling with a man who we know now to be God, right? The commentary that I was using to help me kind of dig into this a little deeper, one of the notes said, Jacob didn't wrestle. Jacob didn't wrestle with the man. Rather, the man wrestled with Jacob. That's specific to the text. And basically pointed out the fact that God wanted something from him. God wanted Jacob's pride. He wanted his self-reliance and his fleshly scheming. And he came to take it. So this is what I'm saying. And this is what I think we can gather from this. Whether you're ready or not, whether you see it coming or not, there comes a point in all of our lives, there is a thing that we are holding on to that we shouldn't necessarily be doing, and God is going to confront us about it. So we see that Jacob wrestled with this man all night until daybreak. And we wonder how it is. How could Jacob keep up his strength to struggle the entire night? We don't know. But what we can tell you is that Jacob was determined. What you can gather from the text is that Jacob was determined to win the fight. He wanted to overcome it. He wanted to hang in there. And that's no different from our frequent determination to hold on to those things that are not serving us, to hold on to those bad habits, to, to, to hold on to those bad traits. In the same way, Jacob was hard-headed and stubborn and was like, I'm not giving up. I'm going to see this thing through. As we move through the passage, we gather that possibly it seems like Jacob is winning. We, th we feel like Jacob has a little bit of an upper hand in this instance and that he might be somewhat evenly, even matched against man, right? Against this man who we know to be God. But that was only an appearance. The man could have won any time, which basically says that God can turn the tide at any moment. Sometimes God lets us think that we're winning. Sometimes God lets us think that we have it all figured out until the rug is pulled from underneath us and we realize that we don't. What God was calling Jacob out on was his pride, his self-reliance, his deceitful ways, his trickery. What might God be trying to call you out on? What are the things that we believe we have figured out? What are the things that we think that we have it all under control? Right? Sometimes God lets us think that we do. But if there's this missing piece, what we can understand is that everything comes together for the goodness of God. And we know that God could have taken over and won this fight. He could have cut things short. He didn't have to take Jacob through the ringer. But what it reminds us is that God is the one who's in control. He's calling the shots. And sometimes he allows us to think that we know what we're doing for as long as we as he needs to prove the point that we don't, to prove the point that we need him, to prove the point that we don't have it all figured out. Jacob thought that he was winning and in an instant, God said, nope. He's just, 
You're not. (laughs) Verse 25, it says, when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. And that was, that's the moment of change here for Jacob, right? That's the the mark that's going to be left with Jacob for the rest of his life. At the end of the passage, we see Jacob is walking with a limp because of where the man, who we know to be God, hit him in his hip. Moving on into verse 26, we see that Jacob is pleading with the man. The man says, let me go for the day breaks. And I highlighted this as significant because basically what God was saying, okay, let it go. It's over. Okay, this battle is over. The day is here, which means there's a new horizon. There's a fresh start. The man let Jacob know that this fight was not lasting much longer. And in that moment, what we see is that Jacob clung to the man desperately. And that rang bells and whistles to me. In this fight, imagine it. Jacob is fighting with this man all night using up all of his strength, trying to prove something, trying to say, you know, trying to come out on top, using up all of his strength. And the man says, let me go. It's over. The day is here. Let it, let it go. We're done. And Jacob is weak. He is weak in this state. He is clinging to the man desperately, it says. And this is how we know that Jacob had lost. But even in that loss, there was a better man to come out of this fight. I've got to sit I can't even um, word this in my own words. I've got to just read it to you straight as the commentary put it. It says, this is an invaluable or an extremely useful place for everyone to come to. Listen to this, you guys. The place where God conquers us. There is something to be said for every man doing his wrestling with God and then acknowledging God's greatness after having been defeated. We must know that we serve a God greater than us and we can't conquer much of anything until he conquers us. I highlighted this in my notes as like the major key, major theme to pull from this passage. Our dependence on God is essential to anything it is that we try to face, anything it is that we try to pursue in this life. And if we're like Jacob, constantly thinking that we have it all figured out, constantly trying to scheme and make things work from one angle to the next, never really consulting God on what it is we should be doing, but trying to handle it all in our own ability, thinking that we're walking this life as if we've got it figured out. And when we exclude him, right? That's how you know you don't have it all figured out. In this instance, Jacob is physically wrestling with a man, but how many of us physically wrestle internally with the things that are happening in our lives. How many of us have to face these things, not necessarily understanding why, but coming to a point where we just feel like we are tired of the fight. What are we going to do? You drop to your knees and you cling to God because that is our hope. That is how we move forward. As Jacob is clinging to God, he says, I will not let you go until you bless me. Jacob is seeking a blessing from this man, which tells us that he recognizes that this is God. He recognizes the battle that he just underwent 
as one that needed to be done for sake of transformation and bettering himself, right? He says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And we know that this is the point where God has overcome Jacob. Through Jacob's past, we see, we know Jacob was always clever. He was sneaky. Um, and he never felt the need to just rely on God, just to trust God, right? Now in this moment, he could only rely on that blessing from God. And that's a major realization, a major understanding, and a major blessing in anyone's life. Jacob was reduced to the place where all he could do was hold on to the Lord with everything that he had. He couldn't fight anymore. He was so weak. He was so beat up, so tired from fighting this fight that he thought he was winning. So weak. He couldn't, he couldn't fight anymore, but he could hold on. Y'all, did y'all hear what I said? Jacob couldn't fight anymore, but he clung to God. He could hold on. And that is definitely not a bad place to be. Where you realize that it's no longer worth a fight. You're so beat up. You are so put through the ringer. All you can do is hold on to God. And that is all he wants you to do. Moral of the story. Depend on God. Moral of the, of the story, rely on him, trust in him and cling to him. Remember, we talked about prior to this chapter, Jacob got word that Esau was coming. Jacob thought that Esau was the enemy he should be running from. Jacob thought that Esau was the one he was going to be fighting. But really, Jacob had to deal with himself, right? The enemy turned out not to be Esau, but himself. The commentary said before Jacob could be delivered from the hand of his brother, he had to be delivered from his own self-will and his own self-reliance. Jacob thought that the enemy was Esau, but the real enemy was his own carnal fleshly nature, which had not been conquered by God. How many of us are distracted by other things we think are getting in our way? How many of us think that it's all these external factors stopping us from living out the life that God has for us? When in all actuality, it could be us, but we haven't taken the time to even stop and consider, reconnect with the father and ask him what it is that we're missing. As we continue to move through the text, verses 27 through 29, through 29, Jacob's name is changed and he is a blessed man. So Jacob goes from Jacob, which ultimately means the deceitful, a deceitful one to Israel, which means he struggles with God. I want to highlight this specifically. Because this, I think, is very important to what, what it is that we're going to have to do. Verse 27, the man asked him, what is your name? And of course, God knows that his name is Jacob, but God is making him say it. God is making him call himself out. Remember, Jacob means the deceitful one. So God is saying, what is your name? God is telling you, says, what are you marked by? What is the thing that's inhibiting you? Of course, Jacob knows his name, but God is making him verbalize it. He's making him call it out so that we can deal with it. You know, a lot of change in our life happens when we first recognize where the change area needs to happen. When we recognize the fault, when we call it out, then we can move forward. Okay. Commentary said, perhaps there was some shame admitting that his name was Jacob, especially with all of its associations as deception and cheating. Yet this was who he was and Jacob had to admit it. You've got to admit who you are to yourself so that the realization can settle in and take place and God can take the time to do the work to make the change. Does that make sense? So God made Jacob call his own self out. 
and he changed his name to Israel, which means he who struggles with God. Some people believe that that also means God rules. At the end of verse 28, as God is changing Jacob's name, um, he says, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. And I'm thinking about what do you mean he overcame? Didn't God win that battle? Didn't God win that fight? But my commentary goes further to say that Jacob prevailed because he lost. And I thought that was so powerful. He won because he lost. He won because he submitted to God's will. Sometimes we might think that our loss, that us losing the battle is the final thing, but we have to ultimately consider ourselves victorious because in our, in our loss with that thing that's keeping us back, right? In our, in our, in our struggle with that, when we lose that, we win because we've recognized the importance and the necessity of God in our life. We've recognized the need to rely on him. So a loss, while it might seem like a loss by the world standard as a believer, is actually a win and something that we should have hope in. Jacob endured his struggle until God ultimately conquered him. What a blessing to be conquered by God and to walk with him in the way that he would have it. Against God, we can only win by losing. Because we ain't going against God. Let's be real. (laughs) With this name change, this is an ultimate blessing to Jacob. And it's the blessing of being defeated by God, right? In this moment, we see the passing of the old life, which was Jacob, and the coming of a new life, which is Israel. The commentary speaks, he says, he blessed him there at that particular place, right? And in that place, as the place of trial and testing, that's where Jacob received his blessing. That was the place of intense pleading to God. That's where Jacob got his blessing. The place of seeing the face of God, that is where Jacob got his blessing. The place of conscious wickedness, that is where God blessed Jacob. For all of this, for all of us, this is a sign of hope in the place where we think there is no hope. When you find yourself in the middle of a trial being fully tested, know that there is a blessing coming. When you find yourself in a place begging with God, begging to relieve you from whatever it is that's on your back, begging for him to take you into a better season, know that this is the place where a blessing is coming. The place where you are sitting face to face with God, seeking him on every account. Find hope and know that this is where your blessing is coming. And in the place where you can finally recognize the error of your ways, the, the, the parts of your heart that are muddied and need to be remedied, that is the place where you can expect to find your blessing in God. When it seems like there is no hope, know and stand firm that there is hope, that all is not lost. All is not lost. Verses 30 through 32, we see um, basically two memorials are happening with this event. So it says, so Jacob called the place Peniel saying, it is because I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. Peniel means face of God. So at that place, right before Jacob was about to cross over the Jordan River, 
This is the place that he named Peniel because this is a place where he saw the face of God. He knew that the man he fought was actually God. He knew that it was only by God's grace and mercy that he even escaped with his life. The second thing that's highlighted in this portion of the text, which is highly important to mention, is that Jacob left the scene with a limp. Okay, and it says a perpetual limp. Jacob would remember his being conquered by God with every step he took for the rest of his life. His stubbornness, okay? Jacob's stubbornness, his will to hold on to the things that he knew. Remember when the man hit Jacob in the hip? This has left him with a lifetime injury, but a lifetime reminder of the moment that he thought that he could do better than God, the moment that he thought that he could win against God. He will walk the rest of the days of his life with that limp. And as the text said, with every step he would take, he would remember. But honestly, while that seems like such a big thing, that is a small price to pay for the gift of God. It makes me pause to take a minute and think, are the things that I'm holding on to worth it? When ultimately I know the gift of God surpasses any other thing it is that I think I know, could possibly know, is it worth it? Will I walk around with a limp the rest of my life because I thought I knew better than God? Or will I just fall to my knees now and trust him anyway, cling to him anyway? And that's the question I want you guys to ask yourselves. You know how it ends. You know what the better choice is. Are you going to remain in your stubbornness or will you be set free? And just cling to God anyway. I'm going to leave that here. I'm going to leave that here for this week. Let me know. Did this text bless you? Open your eyes to as many things about yourself as it opened my eyes to as many things about myself. I am amazed by how God speaks to me and how rich and powerful the text is. You know, let me know. If this text blesses you in any way, you have got to tell me. I absolutely need to know because I'm still sitting here like thinking there are things that I haven't pulled out, still things that I need to know, and I'm not ready to even move on from this. And like I told you guys, I originally sat down and studied this February 3rd. It's February 15th, and it's still pressing on me. So with that being said, I hope that this episode has blessed you. And if you if it has, let me know in the comments um, leave a rating review. Let me know that way. You can comment on YouTube, do all of the YouTube things if you are watching on YouTube. And then also you can always connect with me on social media. I'm on Instagram, um, either at hersoul underscore XO for the podcast or Camille Allison underscore. You can reach me either way. Um, and let me know. Let's have a dialogue about this text. If you have more insight on the text or if you have um, a different perspective on any of the symbolism in the text, let me know. I'd love to know. Um, yeah. But with that being said, you guys, I love you all. I hope you have a blessed, blessed week and I'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye guys. Be blessed. <laughs>